Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hello, I'm Helen, the owner of Helen's Wines in Los Angeles. Helen's Wines is a little gem box, tightly curated wine shop full of gems only. Rubies, emeralds, diamonds, but in wine, inside the bottle, located in the back of John and Vinny's restaurant. There's two locations. It's bomb.com. If you're in L.A. or you're visiting L.A., please come by. You can drink some wine. You can eat a little pizza. But this is my podcast, Wine Face, breaking down the ins and the outs and the 411s about wine into easily digestible, snackable little bites that you could just pick it up off a plate like a cheese and cracker. Something on a little bit more of a pleasant level than just some sommelier barking at you. So hopefully... That's not today. But today, we are diving into, I mean, I don't know about you, but it's summer. I got all kinds of people I know who are traveling around Italy. And I walked into the wine shop today on Fairfax, and I was like, man, what is kind of fresh and fun? And what am I into? And what are there like, sometimes there's a list of bottles in my head that I'm like, I want to take this home and try it and drink it and enjoy it and see how it pairs with food. But there's too much wine versus the amount of time or the frequency of times that I'm actually drinking the wine. And I was like, Italian sparks, Italian sparkling wine. I think it's a category that's important because it can be broken down into a couple different levels and different characterizations. And it will also give you some ammo when you're in various situations to sound like you know what the fuck you're talking about when it comes to Italian sparkling wine. No, JK, we don't care if we know what we're talking about. We just care if we're passionate. And at least you got the information. You're going to be armed. You're going to be ready to go. So sparkling wines of Italy, they're made all over Italy. Okay, that was, yeah, so they're made all over, but I think it would make sense to start by talking about what different categories, quote unquote, of wines there are, and then move from there. So in a broad level of sparkling wine lingo in Italy, Italian sparkling wine can be defined by their level of sparkliness. So there's spumante, which translates to sparkling wine, and there's frizzante, which is semi-sparkling wine. 
But I think everything kind of begins when you talk about Italian sparkling wine, and you got to give props to the OG, is you have to talk about Franciacorta. Now, unless you're studying to be like a master sommelier, chances are you probably haven't heard of Franciacorta. What's cool about Franciacorta is it's kind of like the Rolls Royce of sparkling wine from Italy. It's like the champagne of Italy. It's made in an area of Italy called Lombardy and by the DOCG standard. So it's like a, a governmentally wine laws regulated, the DOCG. Um, all the grapes to go into Franciacorta must be from Franciacorta. So it's a very similar rhetoric to what we talk about with champagne in order to be champagne all the grapes must be from Champagne. They have a lot of similarities. Um, so DOCG in Lombardy says, you want to be in Franciacorta? You got to grow in Franciacorta. Also, sidebar, hot tip alert. If you're in Los Angeles and you go to Osteria Moza and you want to order an Aperol Spritz, let me just tell you, ask them to make it with Franciacorta because it takes it to the next level. And they have a good one there. And it's delicious. And it's way better than Prosecco, in my opinion. Also, double sidebar, I was looking into Aperol spritz and spritzes in general. And it seems that this origin of the Aperol spritz in Italy was the Venetian spritz made with Prosecco, which we'll get to in a minute, Prosecco and Campari the Venetian spritz. It just made me want to get in a gondola, wear a fabulous dress, have my dog and my husband, and we could just gondola all around. Anyway, enough sidebars, but those are the hot tips. So Franciacorta is a place, much like Champagne is a place. It's east of Milan, if you're thinking about Italy. So it's in the north flanking region of Italy. It's east of Milan, but it's slightly north and west of Venice. And yet it is south of Lake Cuomo. Como. Cuomo? Governor Cuomo? I don't know. Lake Como? 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 Talibu? That's not even a word. Those aren't even languages that I'm speaking. So yes. So we're triangulating where Francia Corte is. East of Milan, north of Venice, south of Lake Cuomo. Como? I'm sorry. I just keep thinking about George Clooney. So... That's all I got to say about that. So still wine. So this is a real hotbed for historic Italian activity when you're in this northern part of Italy for many, many reasons. But we're talking about Franciacorta, so we'll stick to that specific area. So before they started making sparkling wines, still wines were actually very prevalently made from this part of Italy, and they have a serious history. Like that history goes deep. It goes way back to Pliny the Elder, which is like some 1257 shit. Um, but that was just for still wine. It was like this renowned still wine and 1257 people are losing their minds and about the wine from Franciacorta. But fast forward many years to 1957 and a guy named Berlucci, he wanted to make a sparkling wine and he made a plea to the DOCG. He was like, I want to make a Franciacorta that's sparkling. And they said yes. And he made 3000 bottles at first. And that shit just took off. And now there's millions of bottles of Franciacorta that are made. But let me tell you, the Berlucci family still corners that market. Like they kind of got in early and dominated the scene. But it took off. All these wines, much like champagne, I know we're drawing a lot of similarities, are made the Metodo Classico, a.k.a. the 
method champenoise, which means that there are two full fermentation cycles that the wine goes through. It's a longer elevage. It's like a, the process is a little more um, extended and it's one of the method traditional methods instead of a method ancestral method, which is more like a pet nat and a frisant. We are going to get to that in a minute. If you want, you can go back and listen in season one. We broke down sparkling wine and what it all means. And that's in the Francis My Hand. And there's another episode, so I can tag it at the end of this. But just a 411 if you want to learn more about the two arms of the sparkling wine tree. So Franciacorta is made as a metodo classico, two full fermentations. And there's several communes or different areas that are allowed to make Franciacorta. But the thing that has the restrictions, where the eye of Sauron gets real specific is what grapes you're allowed to put into the bottle. And again, I hate to say it, but it's very similar to champagne. I don't hate to say it. I love to say it. There should be parallels. These are both like brilliant sparkling wines as categories, champagne and Franciacorta. They could get married, have a little baby. It would be like the cutest little sparkling baby ever. So 85% needs to be Chardonnay in Franciacorta for the grape varietals. 10% Pinot Nero, which is like a relative of Pinot Noir. And then 5% Pinot Blanc. So that is sort of the, the restrictions that are on from the DOCG in Franciacorta. Another one is that the wines must age for a minimum of 25 months, even the non-vintage wines. And now a lot of you might be like, what the hell is a non-vintage wine? When you're making especially method tradition wines or metodo classico or method champenoise, sometimes winemakers in an exceptional vintage will make a vintage sparkling wine where they put the year it was made on the label, like 2015 or 2017. But in general, most high-level sparkling wines are non-vintage. And you'll see a big N and a V, NV, non-vintage. And that's done for various reasons, but a lot of times it's because it's more than one vintage blended together. And that just might mean it's like, it's mostly 2016, but it needed a little zhuzh from 2015 or 14, which is kind of cool. And it makes the wine a little bit more dynamic. Um, so needs to age, Francia Corta needs to age for 25 months in the bottle before it can be released. And there's also, much like champagne, I feel like kind of a broken record, but I'm kind of enjoying this. There is a dosage. Now that's the French word, but it's the winemaking term. So I think it's important to talk about it. Dosage uh, is the level of concentrated grape uh, sugar that can be added to champagne uh, to get the varying levels of dryness or aka the opposite of that sweetness. My preference is zero dosage champagne. I like it lean. I like it mean. I like to turn into a fighting little machine, but in a friendly way, like karate style when I drink champagne. Dosage doesn't mean it's like that bad fucked up sugary syrup that gets put into like bad mass produced wines. These are two totally different things. A lot of times that sugar syrup, like the grape must syrup is like of a very high level quality and it just creates more residual sugar that you won't taste. The champagne won't be sweet, but sometimes it gives those bready or round or full lush qualities. So when you have Francia Corta, uh, the sweetness levels, the dosage levels are called 
pa dosage, dosage zero, so no dosage, pa opere, so nature, which is like just as it is, maybe a touch, extra brute, extra dry, sec, demi-sec. So very similar to champagne and all of these things. I feel like I do have one current obsession. Today we're talking about current obsessions, but one current obsession with Italian Francia Corta. I don't really like that many of them. It's also flip side of that coin. I don't taste that many to be fully transparent. They're kind of expensive. So when you have a Francia Corta on the shelf, especially if you're retail, it's kind of a niche product. Most people, if they're going to spend $75 to $150 on a bottle of wine, they would like it to be champagne. And maybe that has something to do with the marketing and the knowledge surrounding champagne versus Francia Corta. But um, I'm pretty obsessed with this woman who's making, she has like a tiny plot of land. Her wines are coming into the United States for the first time or coming into California for the first time. They might be in New York because uh, New York's so much closer to Italy. But, you know, I'm joking, but a lot of times for a long time living out here, that was very true. Like my proximity to Europe was how much longer wine would take to get here. It's Davella is the name of this Francia Corta. And she is doing no dosage. Everything that's going to be coming in is 2015 vintage. And they're made of like Chardonnay. And then the other ones are Blanc de Noir. So made from Pinot Noir, aka Pinot Nero. She's amazing. Uh, she She's really, really fascinating. She's doing grower-producer style champagne, but in Francia Corta, and they're single plots. Roni is bringing them in. Roni selects. Thank you, ma'am, because I'm so stoked. Those will be in the shop at the end of the summer. If you want to come by, kind of get a high-level Italian sparkling wine, that is the one to do. Davella! I hate to interrupt, but we are going to take a quick moment to hear from one of my lovely sponsors. Some of you may or may not know this, but I was an English major, so love reading books, but I live in LA and I drive around all the time. So I listen to a lot of podcasts and I was suddenly, this is a true story, turned on to Audible, which is part of Amazon, but it's where you can listen to an audio book instead of reading while driving. LOL, JK, JK. But basically... I love Russian literature. I love Nabokov. I love Tolstoy. And honestly, with how much I'm working, sometimes I start reading them in bed at night and I just want to fall asleep. So listening to an audiobook on Audible, if it's like Ada or Arder, which is one of my favorites, is definitely changed my life. And listen, if you're an Amazon Prime member, there's a sweet limited time deal that I need to tell you about. If you start an Audible membership and you will save 66% on your first three months, a total of $30 off. It's like getting three months for the price of one. And you'll pay, if you break, if you do the math, if we divide that by three, you'll just pay $4.95 per month. And after that, it does increase to $14.95 per month. But this offer is only valid until July 31st. So act now. You got to visit audible.com slash wineface, or you can text wineface to 500-500 to get started today. Get that text on. Audible is the best thing, the best companion in the car. I am telling you that's audible.com slash wineface or text wineface to 500-500.
Well, now that I've revealed my literary need and desire to listen to audiobooks, let's get back to the programming. The next category of sparkling wine that I think everyone is waiting for me to touch on, and guess what? I'm tempted to touch, and I'm going to touch on it. Prosecco. Dun, dun, dun. Prosecco, is it on that tray? That's the thing I always wonder when someone walks up to me with a tray of sparkling wine is, and they tell me it's champagne. I look at it and I'm like, that looks like Prosecco uh, or Cava. But Prosecco is a DOCG, so Italian Wine Laws controlled area as well. And most commonly, Prosecco is made from a grape called Glera, G-L-E-R-A. So Glera is usually the primary grape, but up to 15% of a cuvee can be other grape varietals that are blended in. These are, and they don't have to be all of them. It could be Glara and one of these or Glara and two of these. Um, It's just the 15%, 85% is part of the Prosecco DOCG controller laws. So the other grape varietals are Verdiso, Bianchetta, Travignana, Pereira, Chardonnay, Pinot Bianco, Pinot Grigio, and Pinot Noir. No, Pinot Noir. Prosecco can be made in nine different little areas of Italy. And these areas where it's regulated that you may make Prosecco and label the wine a Prosecco are in the Veneto and Friuli. So also in that northern flanking part, which makes sense because it's a little bit cooler, a little bit higher elevation. If you were going to go make some of these more tightly bubbled Francia Corta Prosecco style wines down south in Sicily, you couldn't grow those grape varietals. Glera wouldn't grow that way. Chardonnay would grow differently. You wouldn't end up with the same result. Just a little 411. Um, so let's just break down Prosecco. Where'd this name come from? Because it's so seductive. Prosecco is actually the name of a village, and that's where this wine originated from. It's the place, it's the wine, it's got history. Prosecco DOC is produced in these nine provinces that span the Veneto and Friuli, Venezia, Gialia region. So we said that before, that is just Prosecco. But twist, Prosecco has a couple different levels. The other level, Prosecco, one step up, is Prosecco Superiore. You can get Prosecco Superiore, okay, it's a superior Prosecco, <laughs> comes in two forms. You get Prosecco Valdobbiadene Superiore, which can only be made in the Treviso province of Veneto on the hills between the towns of Con... Now, I might, I've never said this word, Cone. Giuliano, Conigliano, I'm going to get like whacked on my hand by some metaphorical teacher. Uh, so between the provinces, these two hills, Conigliano and Valdobbiadene, uh, which is north of Treviso. So if you have that level, it's between, it's vineyards caught between two hills. Um, and then there's another kind of Prosecco Superiore that's made in an area called Asolo. You really don't see that one that much. Usually what I'm dealing with is the first two levels of Prosecco, and it's all based on the specificity, the site specificity of where they're from. Now, Prosecco is complex. I often steer people away from it, but I've got three faves that I'm just going to throw down right now. First of all, 
I'm very into this wine from San Lorenzo, is the winemaker, Vigna San Lorenzo. It's called the Col Tamari. It's almost, it's unfiltered Prosecco. It's bone dry. It's super clean. It's mostly Glera with a couple other of those grape varietals I mentioned blended in. It just drinks very dry, very fresh. Anyone I give it to is like, oh my God, I can't believe it's Prosecco because it's not transparent. It's opaque. You can't always see through it. And it sort of has this lovely, like pale, pale tangerine color. I'm obsessed with it. My next favorite Prosecco is imported by Lou Dresner and it's the Casa Cospiane. And this is a Valdobbiadene, you know, between two hills, like it's located in a Superiore area and it's their extra dry Prosecco, but it's so good. It's very, very different from the Col Tamari in that it has a little bit more elegance, a little bit more of that classic Prosecco flavor that sometimes people love, but it's dry and it's unfiltered and it's an absolute magical whispering wonder. And the last one, and I often recommend this one for weddings because it's not pedestrian. It's just a little more quote unquote Prosecco-y. It's Sorgente and it's delicious. It's an extra dry Prosecco made in Friuli, but it has more of those classic notes of a fruit plushness, lychee, cucumber, spa watery vibe. So perfect when you're a bridesmaid in your robe, getting ready for the big day. Dun, dun, dun. Let me just say Prosecco has come a long ass way because up until recently, it all used to be really sweet and they've really dialed that back and it can be much drier. I got to cut in for a second just to talk about one of our sponsors and we'll be right back. I think maybe some of you, this is more for the ladies out there, have heard about these amazing shoes by designer Tamara Mellon. She was a co-founder of Jimmy Choo. She is an amazing human being. She's just unbelievable. Not only has she had incredible career and work ethic, but she's just a lovely human. She is creating this next generation of luxury footwear. Tamara Mellon is redefining what luxury means, and she is breaking all the rules by doing it. I can tell you, I am wearing a pair of her shoes right now. They're like the chicest, most butteriest leather cowboy boots. I'm obsessed. These shoes are handcrafted in Italy. They're made at the same factories as other luxury designers, but Here's the deal. This is why Tamara Mellon is such a genius. She just sells directly to the consumer. So she's selling directly to women. It's honest prices. There isn't any excessive markup. She's not trying to throw shade on other brands. It's just who she is. The other thing I love, because I run my shoes into the ground, I love wearing them. I'm not precious about them. You can get complimentary shoe care with every purchase. It's amazing. If you don't know about Tamara Mellon, you need to get into it. They're true to size. I ordered my eight and a half and it fits perfectly. There's free shipping and returns. You know, Michelle Obama loves these shoes. Khloe Kardashian loves these shoes. Helen Johansson. Wait, that's me. I love these shoes. Brie Larson, Carly Kloss, just to name a few. You need to get with this right now for $100 off your first purchase. Now, if you want to walk a mile in my shoes, you'll go to tamaramelon.com. $100 off your first purchase with the offer code WINEFACE. Again, that's T-A-M-A-R-A-M-E-L-L-O-N.com. 
tomorrowmelon.com with the offer code WINEFACE for $100 off your first purchase. What's stopping you? Best styles, super chic. Enjoy. Thanks for sitting tight. Now back to the wine quest. Now, this next sparkling Italian wine could fall into the category of frisant, but I thought it needed its own section because you know what? It's bomb.com, and a lot of times people don't know what it is. So what I'm talking about is Lambrusco. Lambrusco was what got me into chilled reds to begin with. I was like, Lambrusco? What? It's delicious. Crazy twist of fate. It's the grape. Lambrusco's the grape, but it's also the name of the wine. It's mainly from areas in Italy called Emilia-Romagna and Lombardy. And this shit, sorry, this grape, I shouldn't talk to Lambrusco that way. It's amazing. It goes back to Roman times, which is absolutely crazy. It is, and it was, this resilient, high-production, high-yielding, juicy bomb that when they would grow it in the Roman times, they loved it because of those factors and the fact that they could get like so much yield that they'd be able to fill up like 300 amphora vats. I mean, the Romans must have just been drinking wine 24-7. It's amazing for the amount of wine that they had to produce. We should do like a Roman wine party, toga, reinvent the toga party. I'm brainstorming. I will get back to you about that. Lambrusco was huge in America in the 70s and 80s. It was all like disco, Coke, and Lambrusco apparently. Now we're in 2019. And you know what? I think Lambrusco, not the other things, but Lambrusco might be on the rise again, because the rise of the chilled red is like, you got to go to the OG Lambrusco. There are six variations of the Lambrusco grape. So there's Lambrusco, and then it has kind of a couple different last names. And those have slightly different flavor profiles. For example, there's Lambrusco Gasparosa, which is the most common. There's Lambrusco Maestri. There's Lambrusco Marani, Lambrusco Monterico, Lambrusco Salamino, and Lambrusco Sorbara. Oh, and there's also like Lambrusco Ferrari, and that's what Ferraris like to run on. Again, bad joke, bad joke about Lambrusco. So, that is the reality of the Langrusco. All of these various Lambrusco grapes are indigenous to Emilia-Romagna, and they don't really have their neither clones nor subclones. They're all like, yo, we're related, we're all Lambrusco, but we're doing our own thing. We're individuals. That's very uncommon and super cool and very rare. And I love that like the tradition is upheld and it's stayed strong little root. So sometimes Lambrusco is one of those Lambrusco grape variations. Sometimes it's a blend. Sometimes it's a rosé. Sometimes it's a red. I think Lambrusco should be dry, but some people add referment or sugar so it can increase the level of sweetness. You know, sometimes people like to have a Lambrusco dessert wine, but a lot of times it's not like a natural sugar that is making that wine sweet. It's a referment of sugar. There are uh, levels of sweetness when it comes to Lambrusco. They have their own classification. So there's seco, which I like, seco. There's amabile and dolce. So it's seco is dry, amabile is semi-sweet, half dry, half sweet, and then dolce is sweet. But the cool thing about Lambrusco, especially in the seco form, is it's all high acid berry flavors all the time. 
And that combination makes it perfect for an aperitif or with food, which is really cool. My current obsession, Lambrusco vibes, is made by Emilio, and it's the Nessun Dorma. It's made in Emilio Romagna. It's a Lambrusco di Modena. So when Lambrusco is made in a specific province that's allowed to make Lambrusco, it'll say where it's from. So Modena. Modena. And it's made from Lambrusco Grasparosa and Lambrusco Salamino. So it's a blend of two of the different little Lambrusco grapes, y'all. It's delicious. We're pouring one by the glass right now at John and Vinny's, and it's cold and dry, but high acid. And then it's like a berry pow at the end. Perfect with a margarita or LA woman pizza, in my opinion. Next and last but not least, we're going to talk about frizzantes because I love them so much. But as a sidebar, we also need to talk about pet gnats because some of them are more frizzante and some of them are more pet gnat. Technically, a spumante, when you're talking about Italian wine, we talked about this in the beginning, is more like a cremant in France aka more bubbles. And a frizzante is more like a pet gnat. But some frizzantes are, they're intentionally made to be half sparkling almost. They're like the suggestion of sparkling. There is no rhyme or reason. We might be a little sparkling. Whereas pet gnats are referring to one fermentation cycle with a crown cap on top, and those can be a little bit more sparkling. But it really is case by case. But in my opinion, frizzantes are less sparkling than a pétillant natural, which there isn't really an Italian word for those wines that we would classify in that way. So current obsessions with frizzantes, there's this place called Trentino and it's north of Verona. And that is where the Ferlani wines are from. And they are also really big in the skincare game in Italy. I wish someone would bring their skincare hair, making creams and stuff, but anti-aging shit. But they make this amazing natural frizzante. And right now we just got them in stock. It's kind of like you taste the rainbow. They're all these Easter egg kind of colors. It's sort of a Technicolor pastel dream coat. So there's the Alpino, which is a grape called Noziola mostly with another two grapes blended in, Verdabara and Lagarino. Then there's the Maserato, which if you all listening know the Frilani wines, it's the frizzant that is kind of that really beautiful cotton candy pink, you know, not too strong, but it's this like je ne sais quoi, it's like baby breath pink. And that's made from Pinot Grigio that actually has a little fur on the grape, like a little red fur. I don't imagine a fur coat. It's like much more low scale than that. And they extract the color of the wine from that little fur. So it's Pinot Grigio with a little pink tinge. And then there's the rosato, which is delicious, and it's made 100% from Pinot Nero. So I'm really into those. I think you got to come check out this new one we have, the Gragnano. It's made by Poggio della Bacati, and it's made on Mount Vesuvius, also volcanic. And it's Pieteroso, but it's all just so slightly sparkling. It's a true Italian frisson. And I think that's what's cool. This one, this Pieteroso, and also this next wine from Liguria, Punta Crena, the Luminisa, they're just like, baby's breath, barely sparkling. The sparkling could go away. I can't not talk about my girls down in Sicily 
at Cantina Marolina. Those wines just came in. The Fedeli Rosato is the truth. It's Nero Diavola. It's the color of like ripe raspberries, but it's bone, bone dry. And it's absolutely unbelievable. And then for the pet gnats, I got to just shout out David Spillare with his L1 in Veneto. And then we just got in the Salicetto Beefree and Falistra. I don't want to go on and on about wines you may or may not be able to buy, but from this diatribe, me just blah, blah, blahing about the frisants and pet nets, I think you can see that the range of where those wines can be from and the identities and the colors and the profiles are much wider. And partly because a lot of them operate outside of a DOCG regulation. So they're kind of being made off the books, but they're, you know, street legal and they're delicious and usually very refreshing, lower alcohol. I definitely think it's something that you need to try. So, Michikatitas, buongiorno. I guess I should have said that in the beginning. Ciao. Listen, this is Wine Face. We were just breaking down the ins and outs, the basic 411, a little drone flight overview on Italian sparkling wine. And I'm so glad you could join us. Get some. Go to your wine shops. Ask for some cool frizzantes. Or see if you want to ball out, get a Francia Corta. Just make sure it's made well. And ice them down. Get them super cold. Try Lambrusco with steak. It's a game changer moment. This is Helen from Helen's Wines. And thank you so much for listening. Please rate, review, and comment. Subscribe to Wine Face. Let us know what you want to hear about things you like, things you don't like, and I'll talk to y'all later. Peace.